This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. And welcome back to an episode of Clear Jets Podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, this is our third post-game victory podcast in a row. This is uncharted territory for us. The Batman voice is not going to have to come out this week, but I sure as hell was screaming from my couch. I have one question for you, Michael. Is this team for real? I have one answer for you, and that answer is yes. This New York Jets team is officially for real in the sense that, you know, they're here to compete throughout the season. The goal is to play meaningful games into December. And, you know, with this start, that's pretty much guaranteed to be something that's going to happen. So uh, we'll see where it goes from here. But the Jets are a legitimate football team now. They're here to compete for a playoff spot. They're here to be competitive in every single game that they play. They have a chance to beat. I think at that at this point, they've proven they could beat pretty much any team, any quarterback, any stadium. Um like Zach Wilson's headband when he's at BYU, any team, any time, any place. Um, yeah, the Jets are, it's crazy. Like I'm looking at the AFC standings right now. The Jets are all alone with the third best record in the conference. Um, and by the time you're listening to this, we'll know the result of the Bills Chiefs game. Uh, if the Bills do lose that one, I think Jets I, will be in first place. We, we, we might division. know that by the end of the pod. We're, might know by the end of the podcast. Right now, game's still going on. But either way, the New York Jets what, what even needs to be said? It is uncharted territory right now. Well, let's start off here. Clearly was not a perfect game, um, especially from Zach Wilson in the offense in the first half. And I think the thing that stands out to me about this team is that for the first time since Sanchez and Rex in 2009-2010, they can win without the quarterback having to carry them. I mean, Zach Wilson had a bad game. Like, let's just be honest about it. I, he did right. what, what he had to do in the second half uh, for the Jets to win, but he's not the reason they won this game. And it didn't matter. He doesn't have to carry it. this defense balled the fuck out this week. And I'm sure uh, Salah's knowledge of, of LaFleur's offense certainly helped, but Hey, LaFleur certainly knows a ton about Salah's defense. And I have, this team plays with its, its hair on fire. They hit harder than any team, any defense in the league right now. Every time Brees Hall gets the ball, he's trying to take the defender's soul. They can't tackle him. I mean, how many times have you seen Brees Hall actually get tackled? A lot of times they just blow the play dead because they can't bring him down. This is a team that not only gets better as the game goes on, but it's going to get better as the season goes on. I know this, this schedule is not, not easy. They're going to lose more games, but this team is built to win in December with their style of play. And, and just the fact that they're able to win when Zach doesn't have to play, doesn't play well is, is a great thing. It's not, it's not great that Zach 
didn't play great, but Hey, neither did the hall of fame quarterback on the other side, who's going to have to spend the next 72 hours in an ice bath after the way the jets treated him today. Um, let's start with the good. And normally we start with Zach Wilson and, and, and talking about his performance, but you know what, Michael, today, the defense deserves a shout out. Let's start with them. Um, the defensive line certainly brought their a game today, but I think it was the secondary that really uh, dominated this one. And that's what we talked about on, on Friday's podcast, where it was like, Hey, these Green Bay receivers, they ain't got shit on these Jets DPs. Man them up, load the box, stop the run, and get after Rodgers. And that's exactly what Sala slash Ulbrich drew up for today. So what did you think about the defense's performance? I mean, the defense was incredible in this game. And there's really no other way to describe it. I mean, you go into Lambeau Field and you face Aaron Rodgers. And I don't care who his receivers are, who's playing O-line, if he's a thumb injury. You don't go into Lambeau Field and give up three points going to halftime. You don't go into Lambeau Field and give up 10 points throughout the game. It simply does not happen. Uh, This is tied for the fewest points he's ever scored in a regular season game at Lambeau Field, and that was back in 2011, the last time he did it. So, uh, man, it was front to back. It was a great performance, but I think, like you said, it all starts with the coverage in this game because as good as the pass rush was, even on the plays where they weren't getting home quickly – they were able to get there eventually because Rodgers could not get the football out. Nobody was open. And when he did attempt throws into tight windows, it was the Jets DBs winning the battle every single time. It seemed like uh, sauce was incredible at the catch point in this game. Uh, later in the game, there's a deep pass that Eccles came in and was able to break up and he did go give up the touchdown, but still for him to be able to come in and make that play, uh, Quan with a huge pass deflection on fourth down uh, that he almost intercepted. Uh, Quincy, are you, are you finally plays. are you finally on the Quincy just, Williams band uh, bandwagon? Uh, oh come I'm, on, I'm not, come I'm on. not riding first class. Oh, I'm riding. I'm I'm still in the you're still in coach. The, the cheap seats, so yeah. I'm not totally invested, but I am I'm on board. I think is that what is a bandwagon okay? is? All right, that's fine. I, I guess so. But but you raise a good point about the linebackers because this is the first time. This is the first game I've watched the Jets play under Robert Sala where it felt like the Robert Sala 49er defense. And I think, yes, it, it's the pass rush closing and winning with four. And yes, the, the secondary balled out. But the linebacker play the season and a hell of a lot of credit got, has to go to Quan Alexander. But also, I think CJ Mosley's put together uh, a good game today. And Quincy Williams, like he brings that, that juice. So the, the linebackers, I think, like, look, the DBs and, and the pass rush will get all the love, but the linebackers are the glue of this defense. Yeah, for sure. And I think when this defense is firing on all cylinders, I think the linebacker play is a big part of it because it just kind of works in synchronization with everything else. I mean, in the run game, when the defense, when the defensive line is getting penetration, that opens up lanes for the linebackers. And that's when you really get to see the speed of Quincy Williams and Quan Alexander. Um, You know, Mosley isn't the fastest guy, but he's a big hitter. He takes good angles to the ball. Um, and can it's just a very smart player who knows where to be. So when the defensive line is playing well, that allows the linebackers to really thrive and, and do what they do best, which is fly around and make plays. Uh, and then in the passing game, I think we saw Quincy come downhill and make big plays in the flat when they needed him to. And Quan obviously with that big uh, coverage play in fourth down. So uh, when everything else is working, I think that's when the linebackers can really shine and, and right. do what they do best. Yeah, they all just fly to the football. I mean, they play as one unit, and that's the thing. Like, uh, the safeties also, like, they had a tough start to the season. And in the Pittsburgh game, Joyner and Whitehead started to get it going, and they really haven't let up. 
And like, look, like Joyner's a guy who hadn't played football in a few years. He was hurt. Uh, and he hadn't even played safety in a few years because he, he was a, a corner in, uh, in Las Vegas or Oakland or whatever. Um, and I think Joyner and Whitehead picking up their game uh, is, has been huge. But like, yeah, this game was won by the defensive line and the cornerbacks. And Sauce Gardner, let's just start with him. I, I, I don't think – where would you rank him? I asked you this before the podcast. I know it's like, okay, he's great. He's an amazing corner for a rookie. But rookie aside – He's, he's a top five corner right now, yeah. regardless. Yeah. Five games into his NFL career, six games in, into his NFL career. And, and this was probably his best game as a pro. I mean, I love him wearing the cheese head afterwards. He just brings that like effortless swagger that Jamal Adams always tried so hard to bring, but just came off as corny and, and unlikable. It's natural. It's natural, it's natural swag. It's natural swag for Sauce. And, and the whole defense plays with that swagger. And, I, and also, like, Sauce gets all the love. But DJ Reed, Michael Carter II, and hell, even Eccles. I know, like you said, he gave it the touchdown. But this cornerback group as a whole is playing lights-out football. Yeah, for sure. And DJ Reed, too. I mean, there's a one completion, which maybe wasn't a completion, but that was a perfect throw by Rodgers. But other than that, I mean, DJ Reed, too, just doesn't get challenged that often. And when he does, he makes plays on the ball as well. So it's all starting with that secondary and the time that they're buying for that defensive line. But, um, but yeah, even – when there wasn't a lot of time, the defensive line had plenty of quick wins. I mean, the interior was fantastic in this game. Quinn and Williams. I mean, what even needs to be said? Just a dominant, dominant performance is, from him. Blocking a, a field goal, two sacks. <laughs> I mean, he's looking like finally looking exactly like what you dreamed of him being when he's the third overall pick. And I said this last week, and I'll say it again. Is there a defensive lineman playing better football in the NFL than Quentin Williams right now? And the answer is no. And Aaron no. Donald, yes, he's – you can make an argument he's the greatest defensive ta- – he is the greatest defensive tackle of all time, and he's better than Quentin. He's generation – whatever. But right now, Quentin Williams, like you yeah, said, he's living sure. up to everything and, and maybe even more at this point uh, than, than, than the Jets thought they were getting. Um uh, he's been amazing. And then look like the jets got Vinnie Curry back. And I thought he was great. And then even some of the un- unheralded guys, like look, Nathan Shepard's caught a lot of heat on this podcast. He looked good today. There was a multiple defensive linemen who are winning against, look, this Green Bay offensive line is not a bad offensive line. That's a solid O line. Yeah. I think yeah. that that's what makes this even more impressive. Like I was after last week, as good as that was, I was curious to see how they do this week. Cause this, this is an O line that came into the game ranked top 10 and pass blocking efficiency. So it's not a slouch O-line, and they came in here, and especially on the interior, just starting with Quinnen, but the stunt game was great. They had a lot of at least a couple sacks on stunts and plenty of other hits and pressures, so they're getting really good penetration to open their teammates up to loop around and get into the backfield. Um, and then off the edge as well, I think Lawson didn't have a splash play in this game, but he was a big part of all, yeah. a lot of the big stuff that did happen, whether he was penetrating on a stunt to open up someone else to loop around him where if it was just edge pressure to get Rodgers to roll out, he was excellent. Uh, Bryce Huff had another couple quarterback hits in this game. This was a complete D-line performance. Really Rank- everyone. Rankins. I feel like Rankins. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Shepard. Like, I'm the first person to criticize Nathan Shepard after any week, um, but I saw quite a few pressures from him as well, at least a couple. So this was a complete front-to-back great defensive performance it, it hardly gets better than this and even the touchdown drive they gave up is not happening without a couple of bogus penalties in a game where the referees were absolutely atrocious which i don't think we need to get into because it didn't it didn't cost them but the rest were terrible oh my um, god <laughs> the only touchdown drive they had was 
half penalty yardage. Other than that, they held a Hall of Fame quarterback to his lowest scoring game ever at home. You can't ask for anything better. Uh, I might have to start filling out my Jeff Ulbrich apology form. I might have to do that. And it's impossible for us to know. And like, look, I think Ulbrich deserves credit. But part of me thinks that is am I am I being a hater by saying this? Like, part of me thinks that Robert Saul has had some some fingerprints on this Jets defense last few weeks. Am I crazy to think about that? Because there's a legitimate difference in the way they're playing. It's impossible for us to say, but. Especially this I week. It's possible. It's definitely speculative, but there, there this, have been changes made. So you wonder right. if there's maybe a little more convening between the coaching staff, kind of like trying to make more overarching changes. So I think it's possible, but um, it's just hard to say. Well, I, I think, you know, Salah going up against his uh, his best friend, his best man, a bunch of family ties between these two teams. I think, I think Salah is probably pretty involved in this game plan. But, yeah, the defense came to play. And say what you want about the other three Jets wins and say what you want about Zach Wilson after this one. But you can't deny that the Jets defense came to fucking play against. I was going to say maybe the best quarterback they'll play all season, although there's a guy in this division that might have a claim to that. But a Hall of Fame quarterback at home who hasn't lost and at home in like 15 games. This is a, like you said, a front to back Jets win, wired on. Oh, quick, think about that for a second. How often do the Jets do things like that? 15 Never. straight home wins. You're not supposed to win here. At, at Lambo. A lot of good teams have come, at Lambeau, come in here. And at Lambo, coming off a loss, an angry Aaron Rodgers. There's that too. I think they also showed his stats coming off a loss. I think it was like 19 straight wins. It's yeah. Just insane. It's insane what the Jets yeah, are doing. And, right and, I, and I love that this team and they, they said it in the pregame speech sauce brought it up in the post game where it's like, when you play in London, you get to choose if you want to buy or if you want to play. And if you're going to play, you get to choose who you play against. And this, this Packers team chose the jets. They looked at them as a free win and say what you want about Zach Wilson, but the Packers got fucking curb stomped in this game in the trenches. The jets just dominated all four quarters. Um, and also not just on defense and we'll get to the offense in a minute, but special teams, I mean, that's, the, again, two weeks in a row, the difference in the game with special teams. And, yes, the Jets had their own block punt, and they missed their own field goal. But Quinnen Williams blocking a field goal, Michael Clemens blocking a punt. I mean, that's what really blew this game open. Uh, I don't know if we're going to put your your reaction to that block punt as, as the intro to this podcast. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> you're certainly losing your mind, and, and I, uh, I can maybe attribute some of the raspiness of my voice to that play because – yeah, it's just the collection of of I think the thing about this team is they just play together and you can see the love they have for each other. And like, look, we don't know any of these guys personally, so it's hard to say, but they just all the the culture that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are trying to build, you're really seeing that now. When Joe Douglas said we want to have the best culture in all sports, it sounded like a joke when he said it. But three years later, they're they're not there yet, but they're they're on their way. I mean, Robert Sala has certainly instilled a level of confidence into this team that we haven't seen since Rex Ryan. Just the fact that they were like, "Hey, we expected to win this game, and they're going to expect to win next week. They're going to expect to win the next the, the week after that. And guess what? They're going to expect to beat the Buffalo Bills in three weeks. Not to get ahead of ourselves. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying the attitude that this team plays with radiates, and it also allows them for when a unit isn't playing up to par, like when the offense was sputtering in the first half, the defense is able to pick them up." You know, this team plays complimentary football, um, even when they don't at times. But just on the sideline, you can just sense this 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 level of unity where in years past, it was like when the defense is, is holding up and the offense isn't doing their, their job, you can see that, you know, the defense kind of loses its edge a little bit and, you know, maybe they're, they're tired or they're like, all right, what's the point? This offense isn't doing anything. You don't get any of that. This team, I know it was a kind of a meme with Zach Wilson in the offseason, but this team really does have that dog in them. 
let's talk about the offense. Oh, sorry. You want you want to add something else to that? No, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree. You could kind of see all that coming into play. And I think sometimes, you know, all that off-field stuff, you know, maybe it doesn't affect the play as much. But in this instance, I think we're really seeing a team that, you know, all of the all of these things, intangible things that they've tried to build really is affecting the success on the field. Yes. Because I think it's just the way that they're able to rebound from bad starts, to finish games strong. I think a lot of that does stem from the belief in one another. Because um, just a quick example here, a guy that the Jets let go, Robbie Anderson with the Panthers just got sent to his coach by his coach to the locker room in the middle of their game. And with guys like that on your team, I don't know if you're making these comebacks when you don't have that camaraderie and that belief in each other to fight through the adversity and finish games strong. But when you have a team like this, where these guys just clearly love playing with each other and your coach is like running to the pylon on a goal line touchdown in the fourth quarter. It, it seems like that really does help them finish games stronger. And, you know, you see Zach, yeah. Zach Wilson hyping up Brees Hall after his touchdown and, you know, what he said in the Pittsburgh game before that last drive, like we're going to score an effing touchdown on this, on this drive or whatever he said. Uh, that type of stuff, I think it really does, really does matter when you get it to a, an extreme degree of, camaraderie and just positive energy and i think they do have that to a very supreme level right now well it's the, their ability to handle adversity i think that's yeah. a big difference between this team in years past is like yeah like you said that the the uh while on jets twitter the uh the sky may be falling when things aren't going well it's not the case in the field it's i mean for years. me the sky's falling if one run on first down in the first quarter gets two yards well uh, answer me <laughs> this because i was very anti lafleur at halftime and look i I even said, like, LaFleur, I think, has been a good – I think I wrote solid, but I think he's been a solid to good offensive coordinator since he's been here. He certainly is more creative than any offensive coordinator the Jets have had. Um, I did not think his first half was good. And uh, Robbie Robbie Sabo from Jets X Factor, he was actually going to be on this podcast. The time it didn't really work out. We'll have him on uh, either this week or next week because uh, he was kind of talking. And I want to get your thoughts on this because I don't really know how you feel. Um, I think there is an element of that we don't think about as fans that a lot of what they do in the first half is to set up what they're going to do in the second half. It's not just all adjustments they make at halftime. A lot of times the first half is, you know, the setup punch, jab, jab, jab. And then like they come out in the fourth quarter and they hit him with that overhand, right. They come out with the RPO game and they hit him deep to Corey Davis. They really opened up that run game, but I'm not going to act like I thought the first half was good football. Um, from from Michael Floor, I, I really am not. Like I, I think it's important to go back and watch the All Twenty Two. That'll give us a sense of okay, how bad was Zach in this game, and and how bad was the floor in this game. But the the mismanagement of the third and one early in the game, and then right before halftime, which ended up giving Green Bay three points. Like you said, the Jets' defense got to very well shut out Green Bay because they're only they got three points from uh, the Jets had a third and one. They should have just run it up the middle. They either would have gotten the first down with Brees, or they would have forced Green Bay to burn a timeout. Um, Instead, they try to pass it. They have to settle for a long field goal. They miss it, and Green Bay gets the three. And then, like you said, they got a touchdown off a drive that was half penalties. Um, but I just don't I, – I think LaFleur in the second half was outstanding. And in the first half, I just – I didn't really see it. But do you think that I'm, I'm wrong there? Do you think that he was trying to set up some stuff in the, first, in the second half that maybe we didn't really see? Or do you just think that, like, look – give the freaking ball to Brees Hall. Like, I mean, they can't tackle him. Like, what do we have in Zach Wilson rolling left, throwing across his body on third and one? Like, I don't, there was a lot, there was too much of that for, for my liking. But in the second half, certainly Mike LaFleur shined. Yeah, I think I see both sides a little bit because I do see sort of what Robbie was saying to where, you know, I think the run game was working really well. I think there was a lot of setting up going on. And, and that's something I think LaFleur has done well throughout his 
uh, yes. two years with the Jets, mainly this year, is, you know, set stuff up and build off of it later. I mean, even like you kind of pointed out with the Uzama flip play, that was set up the week before. And um, and he had a Uzama tight end screen. So yeah, and a Uzama tight end screen in this game, which they've been set, setting up for so long. So I think he does do that well. We definitely saw in the second half of this game how the Jets did build on a lot of the things they did in the first half. You know, really, you know, they're running a lot of they're running the ball frequently, but most of it was a little more traditional, you know, some outside zone stuff, some gap stuff. But then they really added wrinkles in the second half. You know, let's, you know, do a fake toss. Let's do an end around. So I think there were some aspects to that. And the, and again, the run game is working well. It was blocked well. Paul was running well. So I think that aspect of it was good. But I do agree with you. I think there were some criticisms in the sense that, you know, the run game is working so well and the pass game was clearly so poor that I think there were some instances where they could have grounded and pounded it a little bit harder, especially in that right. one third and one play where, you know, when your quarterback's struggling, I don't know if I want him rolling out to his left to try to fit a tight window third and one throw. Um, so yeah, I, I think mean, they, they could have relied on it, the run game a little bit harder, but, uh, but at the same time, I think Zach didn't have his best game. No. Uh, the receivers weren't separating too well. So some of that wasn't on the floor, but I think he could have started leaning into hall a little bit earlier. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think Brees hall is legitimately, uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. So I'll, I'll stop. But I think the Jets definitely have the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year through six games so far. We'll see if that continues. I think with, with Zach, it, it wasn't, it wasn't good. But as I said, he did what he had to do at the end of the, in the second half. I mean, that play to Corey Davis, that deep bomb is really what got them going. Um, yeah. Maybe the throw could have been a little bit better and let him and maybe we would have had six, but on the run, he let him inside. Like that's still a good throw. Like I, you can critique it, but it, it's, it's just, it, I don't know. I, I don't feel like that, uh, that throw was, uh, was poor or anything. And obviously that got him down the field. And, and then he had uh, a few completions in the second half that they got him down the field. And then obviously in the fourth quarter, they didn't have to throw at all. So I think that kind of affected his numbers. Um, maybe that you would have liked to see, uh, see him lay out that block for Brees in, in the fourth quarter, but I don't really blame him for making a business decision. I think that's the other thing with the floor too. Like I really like LaFleur, but like there's a few things where, why, when you're up two possessions, are you having Zach Wilson as a lead blocker on a, or a, taking the ball himself on a read option or a QB sneak? Like, why are we giving Zach opportunities yeah. to get injured when the game doesn't matter anymore? Like, there's a little stuff like that. And then also, like, like Elijah Moore, complete non-factor this season, which is, which is unacceptable. And I do put that on the floor. I'm very curious, and I really hope somebody can ask Sala or LaFleur, like, why is Garrett Wilson the slot receiver and Elijah Moore the – the X receiver. Is that just because Garrett's a rookie and you don't feel like he understands the nuances maybe of, of the X position or, or even the Z? Like, do you just feel like Garrett isn't at a point yet where he can play outside mentally? Because physically, he's obviously the better outside receiver than, than uh, Elijah Moore. He can high point. His catch radius is better. What Elijah Moore is really good at is his stop, uh, start stop ability. And you put that over the middle. Like, I just feel like there's going to be tons of easy completions. For some reason, they have this thing in their head where the Elijah Moore is an X receiver. And it's like, okay, the MO on Elijah Moore was that he's an amazing slot receiver who has the versatility to be an X, but he's not Tyree kill. He doesn't have Tyree kill speed and you can't win on the outside at that size. Unless you have that type of speed, Elijah Moore is a damn fast player, 
but he's a slot receiver. Like, and luckily in the second half, I think you started started to get a little bit more of Elijah Moore in the slot. But if you want to get Elijah Moore involved in this game, which you damn well should, because he's still a good player. It's not like he's he's a bum or something. Put him in the slot. He just doesn't have the physicality to separate on the outside or the speed. What do you what do you think about? Uh, I know we were going to talk about Zach in a, for a second, but let's just focus on Elijah Moore here. What the hell are they doing with Elijah Moore? No, at this point, I definitely agree with you. I mean, after last year, I was definitely in the camp that was kind of arguing, you know, he can play on the outside. Uh, he's not just a slot receiver because he did have good moments on the outside last year. But, you know, this season, I think you have Garrett Wilson, a guy who has similar quickness and elusiveness, but you put him on the outside. That's a guy who you trust a lot more to win a jump ball or win a go ball down the sideline than Elijah Moore, who as much as, we love him. I think at this point, it's kind of becoming clear that he's, he's, his weakness is going to be that he can't win those contested balls as frequently as other players. It's just a natural limitation of his size. And, you know, he has great hands. Yeah. And that's okay. Like he's great hands. He does not drop easy passes. um, Very rarely. And like, which makes him a better slot than, which makes, yeah. Like he'll make a good, good contested passes over the middle and stuff like that, but jump balls down the sideline, not really his game. And he's not, separating a ton over there either he does i mean he did have some wins over the past few weeks that didn't get realized but maybe the reason those aren't getting capitalized on is the fact that zach doesn't feel as confident throwing him a go ball versus a taller bigger more acrobatic receiver so i think it could be more optimized by putting elijah Moore in the slot and letting him get more touches in the open field use quickness uh use his toughness over the middle and, you know, let Garrett Wilson be a little more explosive on the outside. Because one thing Garrett Wilson is kind of struggling with this season is the number of routes he's running short of the sticks. And I don't know how much of that is him versus, you know, the play call. But most of the time, I would think on third down that the routes are called to the sticks and it's on the receiver to get there. But he hasn't shown a great feel for that. And that's kind of a slot ability. You know, the slot is a chain moving position. It's about you know, playing the sticks more so than explosiveness. And he hasn't really done a great job of that, but you put him outside and let him use his acrobatic catch ability and all that. I think he could definitely be a lot more consistent because he also hasn't been extremely productive the past couple of weeks. So I do think a little bit of a role reversal between those two would be good. And that's not even to say like Garrett Wilson's always on the sideline. Elijah Moore is always in the slot. There's always going to be that interchangeability, but I think, more should lean into the slot more frequently. And then Wilson should be leaning uh, into that X role. Like you said. Yeah. It's all right. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but like Garrett Wilson, I think maybe the thing that is limiting his game right now is that he's had some easy drops and that to me, like, isn't as concerning because I still think he, uh, he has a great catch radius. He's made crazy catches. That is one of those things where you can see him make legitimate improvement on that. Uh, the longer his NFL career goes, but it's like, Put, uh, put him outside. Like, I'd love to see Garrett Wilson run a go ball. Like, why do we not get that? Like, he, we know he has that separation ability. You're telling how many corners in this league want to go one-on-one with Garrett Wilson on a nine route? Like, seriously, versus one-on-one with Elijah Moore on a go route. Like, it just, I don't know. So that to me, like, is a little bit of uh, on the floor, in my opinion. And I'm not trying to be like anti I'm just trying to explain, like, uh, I, I think he had a great second half, but there are still some issues. On the floor. Like, let's not act like he's been perfect. Um, but certainly in the second half, much, much, much better. And that creativity, like 
you certainly saw that on the uh, Braxton Berrios end around that they scored on. You saw that on the Brees Hall play, which was supposed to be a pitch back to Garrett Wilson, who supposedly was going to throw it deep to Braxton Berrios. Um, I think uh, let's start with, with Brees Hall, though. The Brees chants, they're getting louder. You can hear them on the road hear now. on the road. You can hear them audibly. On, we finally have one of those players, which is great. I've always wanted one where you can just, you know, hear the – the uh, what's it was it another example like uh moose luke, they do that? luke keekly was a big one with the pan yeah they go like luke or whatever like yeah. we've never had that finally we have somebody like that and uh you know i i tend to stay away from buying jets jerseys but Brees hall man i mean i can't decide if i should go with the sauce or the uh, the Brees hall jersey. which one are you leaning towards right now uh probably hall because i have a few different single digits i kind of want another double digit mm, i'm probably the only person with that thought process yeah, probably. Are you going to go with the real <laughs> thing or are you going to order it off one of those websites? Um, Got to go the cheap route. Oh, come on. Well, that is true. They charge like $150 for a shirt. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Uh, but Brees Hall, man. I mean, once they finally just started giving him the ball and it, he literally has gotten better every single week. Uh, like, it's unbelievable the improvement that you've seen from him. From the player that he looked like week one to now, every single week you've just seen him improve. It's like he's in Madden or something and he's just adding skill points. Um, because his start-stop ability, you talk about on that that one touchdown run where he could have pitched to Garrett Wilson. You and I are watching it. His hips are literally facing the sideline, yeah, yeah. and he's just able to explode off that left foot, plant, and cut up field, and then that stiff arm at the 10-yard line. He's just such a tough physical runner, 225 pounds a man, and when he gets going, he gets going. He's, he's just a bowling ball that they can't bring down, uh, and I love his versatility in the pass game. I just – I think that the way that the Jets are using Brees Hall, like here's something that you can say that to Michael Floor's credit, has been awesome. I love the way that they utilize both him and Carter on some of those swing passes, those over orbit motion, putting Hall at H back, the end arounds. Like I love how creative they're getting. And I also love that, hey, Michael Carter got a big run because he's kind of become the forgotten man a little bit, but Michael Carter's still a damn good running back in his own right. Um, so what did you think about Brees Hall's performance in this one? I mean, I, another another rookie of the week belt coming to the to, to Florham park. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have, he's going to be on the ballot and, you know, Jets fans are going to come through. So uh, I think the biggest thing for me is how rapid his improvement has been, because you remember the first couple of weeks of the season when he was still, you know, contributing, making plays, um, you know, running the ball efficiently. Um, he wasn't totally dominating the touches yet. And I think part of that was because of something Robert Salas said, I believe it was after the Browns game when you know he said he could get north and south a little bit more and that that's what they were trying to work on with him. You know, a little bit less east-west sometimes, put your foot in the ground, get upfield. Uh, and the Brees Hall we're seeing now could not be more night and day different than the Brees Hall that in that Browns game missed that enormous hole to cut up the field for a potential touchdown. I mean, uh, the touchdown he had in this game is – like you said, that was supposed to be a toss back to Garrett Wilson for a passing play. And not only did he improvise and take that on his own, but the reason he did that is because his eyes were down the field looking north, south, and he was able to make recognize that hole and make a direct vertical upfield cut straight down the field and then show that home run ability. So the improvement he's made with his vision has been fantastic. And uh, I think you're also seeing the special traits be displayed because of that. You know, when you're hitting the hole and getting to the second level, that's when you could see the breakaway speed. I mean, on this touchdown run, you could just see him separating from DBs and then the stiff arm at the end of it to get the linebacker off of him, uh, an all-pro linebacker, Devondre Campbell. So 
Yeah, he's putting it all together right now. But the biggest thing I think has been just how quickly he's made those improvements in regards to his vision and getting north and south. I think that uh, the other thing that that you see from Brees uh, that excites me, and, and I said this a little early in the podcast, like when the games get cold, when we hit that de- December, November football, defenders are not going to want to tackle Brees Hall. And that's the thing with this Jets team, man, is just like they wear you out. They break your will. And we talked about it on Friday, like how potentially it's the rotation methods that the Jets, you know, utilize on defensive line and, and uh, uh, running back and tight end receiver. They're constantly keeping their guys fresh. And maybe that's part of the reason that they, uh, that they play so well in the fourth quarter. But I also just think how physical they are. And they haven't had a physical runner like Brees Hall probably since like, I guess they had Chris Ivory. I was almost going to say Isaiah Crowell, <laughs> but I guess they had Chris Ivory. He would kind of break people's will but what he really reminds me of is sean green his rookie year down the stretch um in those playoff games he would just break the defense as well and when the jets lost him that i know this was you weren't really watching the jets by then but when the jets lost him that afc championship uh, against the colts like you could just see the team changed like that is Brees hall is becoming the heart and soul of this this jets offense he's finally officially the starting running back um and it's just that physical play style i mean every hit is just a punch to the mouth and, and I think that's just going to be huge for the Jets as, as the games get a little colder. You have to rely on, on running the football. When you got to go play up in Buffalo, you have a player who can match them. Um, and speaking of physicality, we talked about the defensive line. We talked about Brees Hall. Shout out to the offensive line. Yes. And, and yes. Is, this, is this the combo you stick with? Like, even when Fan and Mitchell come back, like, I don't think you match with this. Like, ABT is playing out of his mind right now at right tackle. Nate Herbig has been great. He's brought a nasty edge to this team, and you know he's getting under defensive lineman skin when, uh, when uh, late in the game they're ripping off his helmet and drawing unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Like you know that he's adding a little nasty uh, to that O line. Lakin Tomlinson's clearly picked it up. Connor McGovern, I'm not, I'm not willing to submit an apology for him yet, but Connor McGovern's bringing the shit. And then Dwayne fucking Brown with a torn rotator cuff and how old is he? Like what, 38, 37, 30, 37 years old. This man was drafted in 2008. Zach Wilson was eight years old when he was drafted. And he's out there as the lead blocker with one arm and just throwing Green Bay Packers defenders into the stands. I mean, shout out Dwayne Brown. He's really added a physical edge to this team. That's what I just I think that um I'm excited about that you didn't see last year from this team is it just felt at times they were almost like they were like too finesse or something. They just were like, okay, all gas, no break. We're gonna bring it with speed. And they didn't have anybody who could really just I don't know bowl defenses over. And between Brees Hall and this offensive line they're getting nasty with them and, and not to, you know, look too far ahead, but like if Makai Becton ever gets healthy, imagine him in this offense blocking for Brees Hall. I mean, the Jets got some bullies up front. So let's just, we'll talk about the current offensive line. I know Makai Becton's another year away, but uh, they're just, they're just some dogs, man. I mean, and shout out to the tight ends. The tight end blocking was amazing in this game too. Yeah. I mean, this was, this offensive line, surely the last two games has, has made it clear that I think they need to they need to be the group going forward because you know you start out with a Dolphins game where you get good pass pro, run blocking strong, and then now for a second straight game, now they go on the road and they're able to do it. So they were excellent in this game in the run game. I mean, obviously Hall deserves all the praise in the world. He created plenty of his own yardage, but the run blocking was good. There was not a lot of contact at or behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, and I think it really works hand in hand when you have a great running back and a good run blocking offensive line, because a lot of those broken tackles, 
can happen when the running back gets ahead of steam because he doesn't get contacted behind the line. It's harder to break tackles when you have to, you know, stop and then sift your way through traffic a little bit. But as long as the offensive line could get you that one hole to just allow you to get through the line of scrimmage, that's when you could build up that momentum and have some more head of steam going into your stiff arm, into your truck, whatever it is, and then start to get some more yardage after contact that way. Um, you look back to some of the bad Jets offensive lines, like when they had Bell in 2019. Um, and granted, I think as time went on, maybe it was proven that Bell wasn't totally himself considering how the rest of his career went. But regardless, the problem with offensive lines like that is the running back is getting hit so quickly that he can't be elusive when defenders are hitting him with more momentum than he has. But this offensive line is completely different because even if it's not perfect, even if one guy misses the block, there's enough guys blocking well at once to where at least it's a one-on-one with momentum for the running back. So Brees Hall can put his shoulder down, have – you know, get a full head of steam, get that speed. Uh, same thing for Carter, who's very elusive, has really good hands with a stiff arm. Just to thunder get and lightning, baby. Defenders off of them. So the thunder and lightning is here with this combo. And the offensive line's a big part of letting them do their thing. And shout out to the Titans, too. Like you said, I think, I think Uzama is really solid yeah. in this game blocking, especially on uh, Barrios's end around. That one doesn't happen if Uzama can't clear out that edge. Uh, I remember seeing that play at first and I recorded my reaction because I just like hearing my absolute psycho maniacal <laughs> reactions <laughs> to the big plays, but I recorded my reaction. I was like, Oh no, they're all over that. But then Uzama just clears out the edge defender. And then all of a sudden Elaine is there. So I liked Uzama's blocking in this yeah. game. In addition to the couple of catches he made. Yeah. And also shout out to Corey Davis for his blocking too. I know he, he doesn't get yes. enough credit yeah. for that either. And we said that to him after the game uh, last week. And he was like, yeah. I love that shit. Yeah. I just love the mentality of the, of this team, man. They're just so physical. I'm sure he appreciated that. Like so many people are just like shoving things in his face, trying to get an autograph. And he's like, oh, here's this guy talking about my run block. <laughs> well, and not just his run blocking too. He's been a damn good receiver this year. And clearly he has that chemistry with Zach because the, the deep ball will get the credit, but it was the uh, that first down right before it that he threw that really kind of jump-started this Jets offense. And Corey Davis just kind of seems like that guy. You saw it in the Pittsburgh game where it's just like when the Jets need to play, when it's just a physical game, you get the ball to Corey Davis. And uh, he's been great. I know he had that bad drop week one, but since then, man, he's really been he's really been something for this Jets team and, and living up to, to the billing. And, and we kind of assumed, like talking about Uzama – you know, you were uh, talking about, oh, maybe he's going to be the guy to, to underwhelm. And you were proven to be right for the first few weeks with that contract. And you still may be proven to be right, given the, the money and what, he, what he's done so far. But this game, man, like Uzama was on the money, like you said. Um, just an all-around uh, great game um, from the defense for four quarters. The offense didn't really get it going until the, to the second half. But, hey, Mac, we're a fourth-quarter team. It doesn't matter. If the defense can just keep it close, that fourth quarter comes around, the Jets' offense is going to wake up and put a nail in the coffin. Let's talk about Zach, though. And again, we say this every postgame podcast. It's hard to know until you watch the All-22. But what did you think about Zach's performance? Clearly not good, but but he did step up in the second half. And then how much of the first half do you put on him versus the floor? Like, I didn't really see too many missed opportunities. I think the ball placement was was not good. He was much less decisive than he's been the last few games. Um, but I didn't really – and then he also didn't take some of the uh, – 
on those on those flood concepts when they have kind of multiple receivers layered and um there's a there's a you know like on that third and one like as much as i shit on it the third and one right before half like uzama does get open instead he tries to force it downfield to garrett wilson who's covered um so there's a few examples of that but um he did make the plays in the in the in the end of the third and in the fourth quarter. Well, I didn't really do anything in the fourth quarter. He made a few throws in the second half that won this. Get some good handoffs. Yeah. Hey, his play fakes are still money. Um, but overall, like, what were your thoughts on his underwhelming performance and maybe what it says about this team that they can win when they have a quarterback who doesn't play well? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, like you said, first of all, the biggest thing is gotta watch the film. Always gotta watch the film because you watching on TV, you you can't see the receivers. So that's a kind of important relative to evaluate evaluating the quarterback because you got to know what he sees before you can you know fairly judge him so uh gotta watch that but i think at the end of the day this is it's easy it's definitely going to be his worst of the three games this year but um i think how poor of a game it is is going to depend on the separation of those receivers because if there's nothing there and i think there is a good chance of that because just based on some of the replays we saw and, you know, seem just the way he is reacting to some of the plays, it doesn't seem like there was a ton of separation. So if that's the case and just guys weren't getting open, then, you know, it'll be a, a below average game, but maybe not terrible because he still didn't turn the ball over. Um, second half, when there were those open throws, he did make them. And he obviously created the Corey Davis play, which was great and got them going. Uh, so I, I don't see any way how – this will be seen as a good or even average game, but it'll range from somewhere from below average to possibly worse, depending on the separation of the receivers. Like, because if there were guys open, then, then I think it will, will be a shaky game. But I mean, like you said, the biggest takeaway from a team perspective is the fact that you can still win by three scores against Aaron Rodgers on the road, even with your quarterback, you know, throwing for 110 yards or whatever it was. And I think that's, that's a great thing because you're, it is a team sport ultimately. And you want your quarterback to be great, obviously, but uh, in order for him to become great, he needs a good team around him. And clearly it seems like that they do have that for, for them to be able to overcome uh, his, uh, you know, poor games, I think is a sign that he doesn't have the pressure on him to be amazing every single week for them to win games. So I think that's a positive thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that, like you said, we got to see how bad this game was. But the thing that the positive takeaway is like, yeah, if you can win when your quarterback plays like that against a Hall of Fame quarterback in one of the hardest venues to, to, to win at against a team coming off a loss that was quote unquote angry. I mean, I don't I think they had 19 straight wins off a loss. Yeah, Rogers like it. Look, it's too early for the P word. You know what I'm going to say? It's too early for that. But did anybody have the Jets at four and two? I did. I mean, like in my most optimistic predictions, I think I had them at like three and two and then maybe three and three and, and they're four and two. We'll see what happens with Denver tomorrow night or tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Um, but four and two heading into a, a Denver team that is not playing good football. And then the week after that, it's it, look, the Patriots aren't what they used to be, but they're still a damn good football team coached by the best coach of all time. So that's not, that's no gimme. And then they got to play, you know, uh, Buffalo, who's arguably the best team of football right now. And again, I'm saying that without knowing the results of the Chiefs and Bills game, um, but it's certainly they're one of the best teams in football right now. So they have a tough stretch. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Jets have a, a number of tough games upcoming here. Um, even though the Broncos game might look like a, oh, well, the Jets, can, they should win that game. But it's a classic, you know, don't let that be a trap game. You got to travel, play on the West Coast. It's still Russell Wilson. 
um, and they have a good defense. And like I, like I said, the Patriots are never going to be walking the park, and they got to play them twice in because you know, they play them right after the bye too. So there's some tough games coming up here, Michael. But everybody looked at the start of the schedule, and there was a real possibility, according to Brady Quinn, that this team would start 0-9. And like, look, as much as I want to shit on Brady Quinn, there was a part of my, you know, as optimistic as we are, there's a part of me, Michael, that was like, it's a tough schedule. Like, there is a chance that this Jets team could be good and play competitive football but lose some close games and maybe they do get off to one of those starts where it's like ah you know they're two and six to open it up but they had a bunch of close close losses and like then again I guess you could be like all right well they're playing competitive football and this is growth but nah like we said on on Friday like a lot of times you don't really see that gradual growth you get you just get the jump when it clicks it clicks and it does seem like it's clicking for this Jets team right now so Look, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but just in terms of what this start means for this for this team, I mean, how does it affect your outlook on the team? Because you had a great point going into the game. Maybe it wasn't a big game because they could still lose it and, and be okay. They're ahead of schedule, but it was certainly an opportunity to play on a, a somewhat of a national stage, given they were the, the number one Fox game, to, to show the NFL like they're a legit team. They, they can beat a good playoff team in Green Bay. And obviously Green Bay played like shit today, but they still have a Hall of Fame quarterback. They still have... A, a defense that has a number of good players on it, even if they're not playing like it. They have a solid offensive line, two great running backs. They have no receivers, but they beat a damn good football team. They didn't just beat them, they dominated them. So, so what do you think about the outlook of this team that without getting too far ahead of ourselves, we can't, uh, we can't ignore the, the name of this podcast. I tried to title the one on Friday. Don't cause like, don't call, don't cool your jets. You know, didn't really, didn't really land. Yeah, I wasn't totally feeling it. Yeah, no, I, I got, you know, little, little galaxy brand on that one. I did end up changing it to like ignore podcast title or something. We'll come up with a good one. I think I'm thinking of, uh, what do you think about some of the name options for this podcast? We got a lamb blowout. We got green Bay I think slackers. That's what it's be. Yeah. Green Bay slackers. No, like, no okay, I like uh, lamb blowout. All right. Lamb blowout. Okay. We'll go with lamb blowout. We're get, trying to get more creative with these podcast names instead of having like uh what's a good example of what you title a podcast like two years ago in the dog days of this podcast, something that was like, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was something ridiculous. I've done it too, where it's like, is Javelin Guidry the Jets starting nickel corn, like something just random. (laughs) And it's just like, all right, so we're trying to get more creative with these names. I like Lamb Blowout. I think, I think you're right on that. What was my question? (laughs) We're talking about what it means. Yeah, there we go. All right, go ahead. (laughs) No, I mean, going into this game, kind of the way I was looking at it, um was a big opportunity more so than a big game you know I don't because I think a big game for me is when there's a lot to lose you know when when losing the game is going to cost you a lot when there's a big difference between what happens if you win and what happens if you lose and I don't think this game was necessarily huge because you know if you lose this game competitively you know it's it's a tough game you're not necessarily expected to win you're still three and three you're in a decent spot so there wasn't necessarily a ton on the line, you know, versus a couple weeks ago in that Pittsburgh game. I think that was a huge game because if you lose that game, you know, you're in a ton of trouble. That's what a big game is to me. But this was this game to me was more of a big opportunity. It was a chance to make an announcement to the rest of the league that you are for real. You are to be taken seriously, that you can compete every single week against any team, any quarterback in any stadium. Like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, like I think that's, what well, this game proved. And I think the fact that they're rising to these challenges, you know, that they're rising to these challenges now every single week is a sign that they're kind of maybe ahead of schedule. Definitely this, ahead of you know, schedule. With Definitely this you know, rebuild and this, you know, climb upward, you know. Not maybe. Zach, 
yeah, you know, Zach Wilson comes back, you're on the road against Pittsburgh. You need a win to keep your early season alive in terms of, you know, just staying competitive. They're able to do that. You need to – then you play the Dolphins at home who are playing great regardless of the injuries. You know, you want to break your division losing streak, take advantage of their injuries, and they do that. And then you go into Green Bay, and this is a chance to like, all right, there's some positive buzz around you. You've won two games in a row. Everyone noticed that you blew out the Dolphins because they were the previous darling around the league. So everyone caught notice of that. You have a winning record. You're in the fifth seed, so kind of getting some attention. You're the A, a team on the Fox broadcast. Um, they're putting up a Zach Wilson interview <laughs> on national TV on Fox. So you got some hype going, and this is your chance to really build on that and prove that it's for real. And they were able to take it and do it. So this is a this is the biggest statement that I think this Jets team has made since I don't even think 2015 had a statement game like this. Like that team was well, quietly doing business. That I game didn't really have a statement win well, like this one. Maybe the Patriots game. Yeah, the Patriots at the end of the sure. season, but obviously it wasn't capitalized on after yeah. that. But from a long-term perspective of like, you know, this team could be here to stay for a while. Giants game. This game is unmatched among Jets performances for a very long time. I don't it probably I mean you would know better because you're following closely, but probably not since something in 2009 or 10 when the Jets had this kind of win think, well, that just that the whole you know NFL landscape takes notice of I'm trying to think what the Jets statement win in 2000 I mean I got well week two when they beat the Patriots I guess that was it um that was a pretty big statement they made um but yeah absolutely I mean the Jets have had opportunities like this like I think the last time that I could remember this is going to sound kind of ridiculous because they've had a few of them this year where it felt like, oh, this game's huge. This game's huge. And every week it can't feels more and more. But going back to 2019 after Darnold had beaten the Cowboys and entering that Monday night football game against the Pats, like there was a certain buzz around the team, like even though they were one and four, but it was like, you know, now they got their starting quarterback back and they just, you know, beat the Cowboys and it was prime time football. And this is a big opportunity for this team to show that they're not the same old. And then they just had the most same old Jets performance of all time. And there was a reality, Michael, that today the Jets could have come back, you know, crashing back down to earth that Aaron Jones was going to run all over the Jets and Aaron Rodgers was going to throw four touchdowns and Zach Wilson was going to throw three interceptions. And like as bad as Zach Wilson played, he didn't have a turnover. He may have had one pass that deserved to be a turnover, but there was, there was not, you know, it's not like this was a, a game that, despite the way the Jets felt about it, this was not maybe a game the Jets should have won, you know? And they came yeah. out in the statement game, and yeah, they beat the brakes off of them. And it really does change your, your, I don't know, your outlook on the rest of this, this season, um, especially if they can follow it up against Denver. And then you're talking about they won four in a row. And when was the last time they won four in a row? 2015, when they, when they won five in a row? Like, uh, this is a good feeling, man. I mean, I, I'm not used to fun, competitive football. What it feels like to wake up on a Sunday morning and you're just counting down the seconds until 1 p.m. because the Jets have a big, exciting, fun, meaningful football game. Like, that feeling is so rare to me. And then it's even rarer to watch the Jets in those moments live up to the billing. And it yeah. maybe pass it. Yeah. Like, like, that Sauce Gardner should have been picked. Well, maybe not should have been, but could have been picked. Almost. Almost. almost pick six to open up the game. Like, from that point on, like the fact that they just opened up and had Green Bay three and out, like that to me was like, because every other Jets team that I've watched this last few years would have let Aaron Rodgers march right down the field on an eight play touchdown drive and then would have gone three and out the ensuing possession. And that kind of just set the tone for the rest of the day. And then even when the Jets often sputtered, like the defense just didn't give up their fight. Like 
I don't know, man. This team definitely has the makings of, of, of something special. Is that a Super Bowl? No. Is that playoffs? Maybe. You know, like it's it's definitely not a pipe dream at this point. The Jets should be the Jets should be in that in the hunt graphic uh, come December, and they certainly uh, should be fighting for a playoff spot. Um, and who knows? Seven teams, a lot of AFC teams are not not living up to their billing. Like, I mean, a lot, a lot of weeks to go. I'm just saying that this this isn't a team that's like you just want to see growth from, and and uh, maybe they'll be good next year. Like, this is a team that's good. That's a good football team right now. You know what? What are the biggest? What are the biggest things that could hold this team back? from from competing in the playoffs it would be quarterback but your quarterback has that ceiling and he's only played 15 games to the point where and you've seen the flashes and even last week like i know he got dubbed a game manager i thought that was one of zach's best games just the way that that he was able to operate that offense with complete confidence with decisiveness and zero turnover really plays wasn't the same zach we saw this week but we've seen more consistency from zach and we know he has that ceiling but ignoring quarterback michael what could hold this team back honestly what like what are everything that we kind of hoped um, would happen into the season. And you kind of always have um, all these hopes for a team. And then you kind of recognize, all right, well, three or four of these things aren't going to go the Jets way. This, this free agent signing isn't going to live up to his billing or this draft pick's not going to live up to his billing. And again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I'm just saying like, when you look at this team, like why not, why can't the Jets win 10 games a season and make the playoffs? Oh yeah. I mean, I think this win definitely puts them in that conversation where maybe the playoffs aren't the, expectation because you know going into the season i think it was a little bit more modest than that but now you can definitely start to set your sights on that i think it's definitely fair to look at the playoffs as a realistic goal that they could shoot for and you know with the way the rest of the team is shaking out it's you know outside of quarterback and you know like you said there's still a ceiling there that's what's exciting and that that should come with time with zach wilson but other than that i mean a lot of the questions we had with this team are starting to get answered. I mean, start with the run defense. I think that was one of the biggest coming into the year. I mean, the run defense looks pretty good. They came into this game top five and fewest yards per carry allowed. Now they shut down A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, and, you know, they're looking good at stopping the run. Uh, then the safety duo, which was an issue early in the season, they're starting to put it together. The offensive line, all the issues they've dealt with, they're starting to put it together. So none of these things are – guaranteed to last because of two because of two games you know we'll see if all those things i just mentioned can can be maintained but a lot of things are clicking right now a lot of things that were supposed to be issues are turning into if not if not strengths at least things that are not problematic and then a lot of the things that were supposed to be strengths are turning into even bigger strengths than you expected you know sauce gardener immediately turning into a top five or so corner quinn and williams being maybe the best defensive tackle in the league. Uh, Brees Hall being an immediate star. Uh, Garrett Wilson being an immediate great separator. So there's a lot of stuff going good right now. And again, we'll see how well it can be maintained, but the Jets definitely can be considered a, a legitimate playoff threat. Well, and and it's like, it's, it's maybe a double-sided coin, but it's like they're beating the brakes off the Packers. And yeah, like Elijah Moore is invisible. Garrett Wilson dropped a bunch of passes today. Zach Wilson didn't play well. Um, that's about it. But I'm just saying, like, they're not. Uh, if Greg Zerline's missing kicks, they're getting field uh, punts blocked. They're field, uh, yeah, punts blocked. We didn't get a field goal block. Missing kicks and getting punts blocked. Like, plenty of things didn't go right for the Jets today. They did not play a perfect game yet. In fact, they probably haven't played a. Well, I guess you could maybe say the Dolphins game was 
close to perfect, but even then it was 19 to 17 entering the fourth against a third string quarterback. And he thought maybe the Jets might blow it. Like they have yet to have a game where everything is clicking. They've had some close ones for sure. I'm not going to act like the Dolphins game wasn't damn close uh, in the NFL. Like that's about as perfect of a game you're going to get. But the fact that they're doing this without everything clicking, like if they can get Elijah Moore going, or if they can get Garrett Wilson to, to, you know, maybe repeat what he did week two. Like there are a lot of opportunities for this team to grow even more. They haven't even really scratched the surface, especially at the quarterback position. So, you know, we have to quote unquote, cool our jets. You know, there's a plenty of football left to be played and they have a big game again next week. They have, they can't let that be the classic trap game where the jets travel West, but jets fans soak this in for all the listeners um, who are with us for the dog days of the 2020 season when we're talking about Trevor Lawrence odds and cheering for losses and, and freaking out because uh, the Jets blew a game to the Raiders on a, on a fourth down zero blitz call. Like all those moments in, in this podcast history, Michael, for those listeners, you the real MVP. And for all the new listeners coming in out of the Jets are winning, welcome and get used to it. Enjoy this feeling because it's a great one. I got to be honest. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not used to it, but I'm starting to to you know, kind of maybe remove some of the caps that we were putting on this team. I'm not saying that this is a, a team that's going to go on a deep playoff run or win a Super Bowl or anything like that. But it's just like this, this team is, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but it, it's a playoff worthy team. You know, they have the talent to do it. And that's, All right, that's, that's a some good label. stuff. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's some exciting stuff. So they got to continue to prove it week in and week out until, uh, you know, we're scarred as a fan base. So we, any sort of optimism we are, uh, you know, weary of, but man, it feels damn good to be a Jets fan right now. So soak it all in. Michael, before we get out of here, anything else you want to add? Anything? Um, well, I guess uh, we, we just witnessed this. Um, all of you already know this, but the Bills did just finish off the win over the, over the Chiefs. So the Jets will not move into first place in the AFC East, but they are tied for the AFC's second best record with the Chiefs. So that and, is not a bad place to be in. And the, and the only team that's undefeated on the road. And, and the only Lord. AFC team undefeated. No, NFC too, right? Isn't there? Is who's? Oh, uh, the, Eagle. oh pff, the yeah, Eagles, Eagles Giants. After yeah, Eagles Giants Cowboys still undefeated. Oh, uh, also, the Cardinals actually. But it's AFC. All right, all right my bad. <laughs> my bad. My bad on that stat. All right, only AFC team that's un, uh, undefeated on the road. That's great. Oh, one other thing I did want to get out in front of because there was a tweet this week that uh that I responded to and it got out some discourse. And before we get out of here, Michael, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, clearly a compliment, but somebody referred to sauce as like a zone corner. And I get it. The jets play a lot of zone and Richard Sermon was quote unquote, maybe viewed as a zone corner at times, but let's not put that label on sauce. Let's get out. Let's get ahead of that rhetoric for all the, the fans that don't actually watch football. Sauce is not a zone corner. He's a damn good zone corner, but he's a damn good man corner. You can put him on tight ends. I mean, sauce is the complete package. So let's remove that label of sauce as being a zone corner. Look, the fact that he's getting Richard Sherman comps six games into his NFL career is amazing, but he's not a zone corner. He is a true all can do it all corner. And the fact that he's playing this good of football six games in his career, Michael, look out. The Jets have somebody extremely special on their roster and a guy who could maybe even be considered the best corner in football. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but a year or two. And like, he certainly has that ceiling to the point where second year sauce, third year sauce, you're viewing as the best corner in football. Am I crazy to say that? No, I agree. And I think that's a good distinction to make because I don't know. I feel like there's a stigma against cornerbacks in this scheme where it's like oh they just play zone they don't man up or whatever but it's like i mean yeah he does do that pretty frequently i mean that's kind of their mo they keep their corners on one side they play plenty play of man though good amount of zone but he plays plenty of man and when he does he locks down i mean 
uh, it's not a bad thing that he's not necessarily, you know, 2009 Revis on an Island 24 seven. That's just now not how the jets play. I don't think many teams in the NFL play that way anymore, but when he does have to do it, he's coming through. There aren't a lot of, I don't, I don't know if there's any corner in the league right now that ha- can match his reel of just lockdown pass breakups in huge spots where more often than not the receiver is supposed to catch the ball. Like when he, the play he made in this game where he, you know, had outside leverage on a crossing route, you know, against a receiver who's inside of him, that's supposed to be a free catch. That's not supposed to be, there's not supposed to be any chance that's getting contested, but for him to have the speed and the length to, get in there and contest that ball and get his hand in and deflect it is it's purely insane. It's really not supposed to be done. And that's something he does so well. He just has such a good, I don't know, I guess accuracy is the best word. He just puts his hand in the perfect spot when, when that ball comes in straight through the receiver's hands, punches the ball right out. He has such a good feel for it. So man, he is awesome right now. Yeah. I, I think his ability, his, his late punch out ability in those like his ability to break up passes at the last second and just time that punch uh is elite like you can just say that already it's elite and his hips for that size are elite his i mean he really is uh he was a special prospect i think you and i were like oh well they take a corner they you know they kind of talk about oh well we can you know basically put anybody at corner and, and still win you're proving that that's not necessarily true good cornerback play can make a hell of a lot of difference and i'm so glad that the jets went and took the best player on their board and didn't kind of buy into the, okay, well, we got to build up the trenches first and then we can get corners. It's like the trenches were built up enough, but I think there was uh, some momentum maybe. And, and look, Kayvon had a game winning strip sack of, of, of Lamar today and the giants are doing well. I kind of, I kind of wish the giants weren't doing as well. So the jets would get more, some more uh, buzz, but you know, both New York teams playing well at the same time. That's I'm not going to complain. The giants can win all these games. If, uh, if the jets keep winning games, I have to say that the giant schedule, you go look at it they might start the season like nine and one. They play the worst teams over the next few weeks. So um, I guess we're going to keep hearing about the Giants. And let's just hope the Jets uh, keep up. And who knows, maybe, uh, maybe we'll, uh, I, won't, I won't say it. I was going to make a joke about a Super Bowl, but Subway Series Super Bowl. But I guess, uh, I guess we're far away from that. No, nothing. You're not going to give me anything on that? Nothing? No laughs? Okay, fine. We'll get out of here. You can follow us at Silence Silence from the peanut gallery. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I will be honest. I wasn't totally paying attention. I was, was, you know what I was doing? I was looking at the standings, just marveling at the Jets being in second place in the AFC. It should have been first in the AFC East, though. Damn it. Uh, I wish that happened. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Still, though, I mean, the Jets are tied with the Chiefs with the second best record in the AFC. Let that sink in. Let it sink in. That's some great stuff. All right. Follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. Follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. Go to Jets X Factor for the best place to go for Jets content. I mean, now that the Jets are winning, why wouldn't you go? I mean, I'm, I can't wait to go see all the articles and, and film breakdowns uh, on the site this week. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes if you're able to. It helps out the pot a ton. Subscribe to Jets X Factor YouTube. I think that's it. I think we covered everything. Michael, last thoughts? Anything? Um. White and black, we're sticking with that forever now, other than the all-black games. I guess so. I mean, I don't I don't know if I believe that uh, we need our lucky pants in order to win. I feel like that's – Maybe some, we do. Maybe we do. That's some that's fear, Michael. We don't need our fucking lucky pants. We'll win regardless. But, uh, yeah, I guess don't mess with the, the – Is it joke. Zach Wilson or is it the pants? I don't know. <laughs> Certainly wasn't Zach Wilson today, so maybe it was the pants. I think Pro- it is the pants. <laughs> they'll definitely wear white on black next week. They'll go all black against the Patriots, and then that Bills game – 
depending on what happens. Imagine they don't wear white and black next week and they lose. There's going to be a riot. No, they'll wear white on black. They're going to keep it going. Yeah, they're definitely going to wear it. Then they'll wear black on black against the Pats. If they win the next two, then they'll probably go back to white on black at home against the Bills. Even against the Bills, you think they'll do it? Yeah, if they win the next two, uh, they that'll. Win. If they do that, then they they might not wear green all year because there were, what are there, three the home game. games left after the Bills? And there are two, two of those are all black. That just leaves the Lions as their last chance to wear it at home. Yeah, I think, uh, what did you think of this uniform matchup? We're I don't at, like we're at this point of the uniforms. podcast where if you don't care about <laughs> uniforms, you can, you can tune out. All right. right, everyone's closing out right now. Uh, <laughs> all right, I know you're just about to close it, but hold on. We got some riveting stuff to say about uniforms. So take your mouse off that X. Oh, you know what? I, I have some thumb. Actually, over, that, you know, I don't think... slide up and close the Spotify app or Apple, whatever you're listening on. We got some tremendous uniforms. You want you want to hear my about. you want to hear my take on the uh, on why the Jets? I was thinking about this. I was like, why don't the Jets just? Why wouldn't they have gone with the '80s logo? And granted, I do think those throwbacks are coming next year, and I think that there's a real good chance that that will be the Jets logo after the 2023 season when they can change it for the 2024 season. But I realized, Michael. The reason they didn't go with the 80s logo, even though everybody wanted it, is because it doesn't say New York on it. That's the reason. The Jets just want, and I get it. Like, look, if, especially as the, as the NFL is trying to expand internationally, like the reason the Yankees had is worn by people who don't even watch baseball in other countries because it got that New York on it. And so I get it. I don't, I honestly don't even mind it on the jersey. I like the jerseys. Just make the 80s logo. The, the helmet logo for the love of God. It's so easy. If, if you want to fit in a little NY into the plane or something. Okay, fine. But uh, I just, it just dawned on me that that's the reason that they didn't go with the 80s logo. They just wanted to make the New York more prevalent. Just to, that just, it's reeks of some insecurity about not being a, a New York team, but whatever. It's okay. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. But they could still make it the word, you know, just the helmet logo, like the word mark. Yeah, like, I don't, yeah, exactly. You, you can make it the, the 80s logo as the helmet, and then you can have the logo have New York in it with the 80s. Lo- I don't know. All right, we've reached that point of the podcast where it's time for us to go. Wait, but what did you think of the uni matchup? I think the white on black looks good in overcast weather like it did today. Like, I didn't think it actually looked all that great against Miami. I mean, I think it looked solid, but, like, it looks good in overcast, gray, that kind of weather. Um, so I liked it. But then the, the Packers uniforms are just, I don't know, kind of ugly. I, the Packers just are have ugly uniforms, in my opinion. They just have one and so they're classic uniforms but like green and yellow to me is just like kind of a gross combo but whatever maybe that's a unpopular opinion all right let's get out of here michael wait I think no let's talk about it a little bit more let's bask oh, in this win oh. let's bask in this win all right fine go ahead right. we had the two-hour podcast on i'm not trying to get out of here because uh i'm trying to short we had a lot of mentions where it was like what's wrong with the long podcast i'm just saying what else uh all right michael if you have any other topics you want to throw out um We've already done the plugs, Michael. It's unnatural to go dive back into the game. And we have a game. We're, cha- we're changing the podcast game. <laughs> yeah, we do the plugs in the middle of the podcast, and then we'll just end it abruptly. I'll just hit end recording in the middle of your next end. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. But um, I do think uh, after we watch the All-22 on that podcast that comes out Friday, we'll have a lot more. Like, those podcasts can be really long because you can spend time breaking down the previous game after you watch the All-22 and then previewing the next one. These post-game pods recorded right after, I mean – we haven't seen the all 22. So the talking points aren't necessarily all there. Um, if you have any topics you want to throw out there, Michael, I'm, I'm, I'm free to, to handle them. Um, you know what I think we should do at some point for, for the listener. I think we need to do a live Twitter spaces. So, so the fans can ask, can ask, uh, can ask you some questions. You know, I think that would be a, a good little wrinkle to the pod. What do you think about that? Are you down uh-huh. for, for a Twitter spaces at some point? And would the people want it? 
Maybe. I don't know. I've never I've never been a huge fan of those. What about a YouTube live stream then? Not to, not to, not a breach on uh, Joe Blue's territory. Possibly. I don't know. We'll have to see. But I, I just want to throw out a couple of AFC ranks for All the right, Jets right now. All right, let's so obviously they got the second best win percentage. Okay. At, uh, yeah. You know, they're four and two. They're six, six. seven, tied at the Chiefs. Best road record, three and oh. Yep. Um, they have the fifth most points right now at 143. That's surprising. And their point differential is plus 15. That's, That's... tied for seventh best. So wow. in playoff range. Uh, so yeah. We have I think some def- do we have some defense? I also are tied for the longest, longest winning streak at uh, three in a row. Other defense? Uh, defense is a little lower ranked. They are the ninth best scoring defense right now in the AFC. That's still tough, Ted. It's pretty still much solid. what you want. What are they in, like, sacks and interceptions? And, well, yeah. What are they in those? Uh, I think some of that stuff doesn't update until the next day. I was just looking at the standings. Underwhelming. Okay. Well, fine. I know. Riveting information. What do you think of the, the refs in this game? Oh, now you want to dive into the refs. Okay. Yeah. I, I see. I see you, Michael. You want to keep going? All right. Well, fine. We'll keep going then. All day. I can do this all day. I'm like Captain America. I think the refs were fucking terrible. What did you think of them? <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I was tagging the FBI. I was like, investigate this. I want an investigation. The, the worst the, the worst one was when there was like the blatant late hit on Brees. Like it's not even close. It was obviously late hit. And the ref, the ref closest to play literally has the flag in his hand. They're like, all right, it's clearly yeah. a penalty. Like I don't think I've ever seen a ref pull the flag out of his pocket, have it in his hands. Like sometimes you, you see him throw it and then they pick it up. He literally has it in his hands. And then some other ref runs in and goes, whoa, whoa, wait, the Packers are supposed to win this game. Put that back in your pocket. Yeah. And then they don't throw it. That was, that was the one that got me. Cause there were some bad calls before that. Then when I saw that, it was like, all right, the fix is on. The NFL can't handle Rodgers not being in the division lead. Can't handle him being 500. Well, like even the big pass that he had on DJ Reed to, to Alan Lazard, like that ball was moving and, they didn't give us. I mean, that's more maybe Fox. Like we didn't yeah, get maybe replay. Maybe Jets should have challenged, or maybe they didn't have a good angle because it wasn't really captured. That's, that's what I'm saying. We, we got one angle that was kind of like, oh wait, hold on a second, and then yeah, you didn't get anything else. What were some of the other terrible calls? Uh, oh, there was the. Well, no, I have one. I would. So there was there's w- ineligible man downfield. They overturned the phantom, you can see on the replay. The phantom unsportsmanlike like, downfield. The phantom but then uns- there's that that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The phantom unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, which apparently was just a coach running into the ref on the sideline, like he was standing on the white part of the sideline, and then he ran into the ref or something after the play. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I'm curious to see if we can see that on the coach's film on the all 22, like you know that where you can see the sideline. If it holds, at, we can maybe try to spot the penalty. Um, or some of the other ones. Well, there was, I, I will say the NFL clearly sent out a memo to the refs to, to lessen some of the roughing the passer penalties because the Jets maybe deserved a few of them the way they were hitting Rodgers. But there's one on Wilson early in the game where he just gets like slammed headfirst in the turf. I'm like, all right, NFL, if you're going to call all these bullshit penalties last week, how is that not roughing? But I don't mind it. I, I don't mind that not being roughing the penalty, a passer penalty. You just got to call it evenly. There was one punt that Braden Man had where he clearly got ran into and they didn't throw anything. Oh, do you remember that chop block penalty they called? Yeah, horrible penalty. They, <laughs> they, called, they got Mosley for an illegal contact, which is very weak, and he wasn't even throwing to uh, – it was throwing completely across the field. That was terrible. Um Trying to think, there's some other ones. It was, yeah, it was a bad ref game. But like, look, we're not the podcast to shit on the refs. I mean, everybody gets you have good ref games. Everyone does that. That, That's the general fan thing to do. We don't do that, except today. Yeah, except today. Do you think? Do you think Cool Your Jets at this point is is living up to the name, or do you think sometimes it's it's a little? uh... I think we do better when they're losing than when they're winning. 
Yeah, because that's I think that's a good option. When they're losing, we're like, hey, everybody, calm down, cool your jets. The sky is not falling. And hey, we've so far have proven to be right. Um, but then when they're winning, I think we do get. If we win. lived up to it while they were winning, I think it a lot suck. of people wouldn't enjoy that. Yeah, it'd it be like, suck. hey, everyone, calm down. Zach Wilson sucks. We're not going anywhere. Well, okay, we don't go over like to the Joe Benigno territory. Like, right. The Jets are winning the Super Bowl. It's like, no, we're not getting that far. But like, yeah, we're we're optimists. Whatever. If you're, what's the point of being a fan if you're not gonna be optimistic? Right. Right. All right. Is there anything else? No, I think that's a good point because it's like at the end of the day, being a fan is supposed to be a source of enjoyment. So regardless of how the team plays, which you can't control, you don't play for the team. They can't hear you screaming at your TV to go for it on fourth down. I regret to inform you, although I should probably tell myself that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. So it's like you got to try to find ways to, you know, get positivity out of it, regardless of the you know the result or the future outlook just gotta enjoy it oh you know what i did i did have a uh, one more thing to say uh i love well, so what did you think so rocker is inactive for this game they cut lawrence cager who is like a big focal part of their game point uh game plan week one i imagine he probably ends up on the practice squad tomorrow or tuesday or something like it doesn't seem like i don't think they would just cut him out right not put him on the practice squad but I, I just, it's so strange that they came out in that first game with a 13 personnel game plan, trying to throw it to Lawrence Cage on that first third down and you were losing your mind. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he just is dis, like inactive for four straight weeks and then cut. Yeah. Those are like my first game day tweets of the season. Like, why is, why are we doing 13 personnel Lawrence Cage? We've come a long way since. <laughs> do you, do you save all those recordings? Cause Michael records himself for every, like audio recording. Just, I didn't even know he was recording for, he just, I, what do you do? You just press play and put it in your pocket? Yeah, I just put on my audio recorder and put it in my pocket. I think it's better than recording videos because, yeah. because like when you're recording a video, especially when you're at a game, it's like you're not really in it. You're like focused on recording. So you don't, you're not really being yourself. But if you just flip on your audio recorder, then you could forget about it and just look back at it later. I think just we should, be focused on the game. I think we should hashtag release the tapes because there are some, uh, you played some of them for me. There's some interesting. I don't know. (laughs) I think it would destroy my reputation as a measured analyst. Nobody thinks that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you have a you have a. That's true. I'm not a measured analyst. No, you are. I think (laughs) you actually are kind of the the rational. I'm the one who's a little uh, off off the hinges. But during the games, though, Michael, yeah, you do turn into a different person. It's it's kind of funny. There was one I played for you before, and you were like, "That is not healthy." Yeah. Yeah, that is not healthy at all. Well, well, you know what? But if they keep winning, though, I mean, it's not sustainable that the way that we're watching games, but if they keep winning, it's the greatest high on earth. I go to a different octave when the Jets make a good play. I'm just like... Octave? What did you call it? Octave? Did I say octave? You did. Do you know the octave. other word? You know the other word that's always there bothered me? That you, I, I actually kind of like the way you say it. It almost sounds like a, a British way of saying it. Okay. Because, uh, you say like egregious instead of egregious. I have some weird ones. I, I definitely mispronounced some. Oh, I've oh I've made I said um I had a one. I think sometimes time. I I'd say that right most of the time. Sometimes I might mess that up. I feel so like I, I say had, egregious. I, I think I've, I said something a few weeks ago. It was like cacophony. I guess my pronoun my pronunciation of egregious is egregious. I totally yeah exactly. I totally misused the word cacophony on the pod two weeks ago, and then I had um I used to say archetype instead of archetype, or I, I still mess it. Is it archetype or archetype? I've, archetype i used to say pronunciation a lot 
<laughs> we just do this for the rest of the pod. This is, people are like, we want these three hour podcasts. It's like, all right, well, Michael and I don't have that much to say. Um, <laughs> we do what we do on the Friday pods. The Friday pods we can go long. All right, I think that's it. Is there anything else? Vinny Curry balling out. All right, we're done. All right, we're done. We're done. Uh, tweet us your thoughts. Will Parks is great. Wait, wait, no, special teams. I want to talk about special teams. <laughs> oh, go a bit. All right, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, Brant Boyer running a stunt to get a block punt. Rhyme was not intended there, but nevertheless, <laughs> Brant Boyer is an absolute genius. Michael Clemens with the length to get the block. Philly yeah. Will picks it up and scores. Clemens is such uh, a monster. On I don't stuff. think I knew who scored it until like, because I, I had like run out of the room. I was screaming. <laughs> and I looked back at the TV and saw who it was. I liked, I liked uh, when we went to the game last week, Philly Will was in the parking lot and I was, I was like, Philly Will, I see you. And he turned, he gave me a nice wave. Uh, so I liked shouting out the, 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 the uh, unheralded players, although our yeah. guy Grant Herman's got cut this week. Oh, Rest at least he'll always remember when he got shouted out at that Dolphins game. And, and his last ever NFL game. Um, yeah, that could be a memorable moment. <laughs> um, all right, that's it. We're done. Thank you everybody for listening. Bask in the glory this week. We will be back on Friday. We'll make the pot as long as possible. Um, shout out to all the Jets fans that went out to Lambeau. We travel well, and I'm so excited to see what that pay- – if they beat the Broncos, I'm so excited to see what that Patriots game will be like. I, Michael, you might have to come up for it. We might have to have a third CYJ in-person podcast this year. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what um, happens. But we'll be um, back on Friday. We'll get in the urge to come back up. We'll be back on Friday. Big mega pod again. We'll be breaking down the Packers game after the all 22 and then previewing the Broncos one. But Michael, you and I, time to get out of here. I'm going to go to Dumpling Man and wait in line for, for an hour. That was that was what we did last week, and Michael started ripping on him. Should podcast. we endorse the Dumpling Man? or Dumpling Man, is, Dumpling Man is great. The service, not great. But the, the dumplings themselves in East Village. Hopefully they don't listen to this podcast. I, I very much doubt they listen to this <laughs> podcast, Michael. All right, let's get out of here. Everybody, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Go Jets.